Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Okay, well, I recently took a trip to New Zealand with some girls from Tri Freedom, and uh, we walked the Milford Track, which is a four-day hike in New Zealand's wild fjordland. It's just so pretty, <laughs> but there's no signal, there's limited generator power, um, there's no civilization, but oh, all the New Zealanders are looking at me like, yeah, we know, we know. There was green, like I have not seen <laughs> for years. There was so much water and I kind of felt like it was a waste. It was just rushing past me and going out to the ocean. I'm like, wait, I know what to do with you. <laughs> water like you would not believe. I highly recommend it gets added to your bucket list. It wasn't actually on mine, but now I have to go back. It's, it's made it onto my bucket list. So while I was walking the trail, I had loads of time to think. Um, and we're kind of all on a trail in the wilderness in a way, aren't we? Our lives are headed somewhere. We don't really know what's around the corner. And sometimes our trail is steep and difficult and sometimes it's a smooth downhill run. And there'll be people in the room who are experiencing either one of those here today. It's got bumps and it's got the occasional cliff. It's got great views and closed in valleys. And um, as I walked, God just quite quietly spoke to me about a few things. And so today I wanna share with you three lessons from the trail, which may also help you in the trial. And this is part one. Um, we'll unveil some more over the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned for that. It means you have to come back. Yes? Because I'm not done. Okay. <laughs> Woo! Awesome. Okay, well, let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are here amongst us, that your Holy Spirit is moving and it's present. And so, God, I pray that you would speak to us uniquely, to our unique circumstances. You know us, God. And so I pray that my words would just um, move aside and make way for you this morning, that you would speak into the hearts of your people and that our expectation to hear from you this morning would rise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, lesson number one I learned really quickly, and that is don't carry more than necessary. We had to carry everything we needed with us, and this meant a weight on our backs with everything that we did. And the more we decided was essential, the heavier our pack became, right? And that's okay to begin with, but I can tell you that in only a short amount of time, you're gonna feel the weight of everything that you choose to carry. Now, before I go any further, that point may sound a little bit familiar to you. <laughs> if you've been here a few weeks ago, Pastor Darren um, preached on this very topic. And the irony is that he was preaching it here while I was walking it there at the same time. And uh, it wasn't until last week that I got to listen to his podcast and had one of those moments of, oh no, we're preaching the same message. <laughs> and um, so two things I want to tell, I want to let you know before you decide to tune out if you've already heard that message today. Number one, how amazing is the Holy Spirit that he did that, <laughs> right? How amazing. Consequently, I think this is actually really a really important message for us right now. I think it's a really important message. 
Because what are the odds of that happening, really? So I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit isn't done talking about this yet. And number two, I'm dealing with this issue from a slightly different perspective. So I guarantee you, you will have something fresh to hear this morning, okay? So don't panic. So if you haven't heard Pastor Darren's message, please podcast it. It's awesome and you need to hear it. And if you have heard it, don't tune out for me today. Lean in, expectant that God has more to say. Amen? Okay, thank you. So on the trail, we learned really quickly to not hoard the unnecessary because it'll become heavy. We had to trust that our guide was going to provide some luxuries along the way. And they did. We stayed in beautiful lodges. Well, we stayed in lodges that had beautiful views. (laughs) We ate like kings and had hot water at the end of every day. We did not miss out on any blessing because our guides were generous. And you know what? So is our God. Our God is generous. Some of us are trying to pack a whole heap of extra stuff into our backpacks in life because we aren't comfortable trusting God to provide for us. Some of us are really busy striving and struggling under the weight of our expectations and effort to provide for ourselves. In Matthew 19, Jesus tells a parable to his disciples after watching a rich man walk away because he couldn't put aside his ambitions for wealth to follow Jesus. And this is what he said. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? They asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible, but with God, everything is possible. And the message paraphrases that last verse this way. Jesus looked hard at them and said, no chance at all if you think you can pull it off yourself. Every chance in the world if you trust God to do it. Remember that Jesus often spoke in stories and metaphors so that his audience would really understand important heavenly principles. So when Jesus said that it's difficult for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle, we have a certain image in mind. But his disciples would have known exactly what he was talking about. This is a picture of the eye of the needle as they knew it. It's a small opening in the wall of Jerusalem. It was called the eye of the needle. In order for a camel to go through the eye of the needle, the camel had to be stripped of everything weighing him down and he had to get on his knees. So it's totally possible, but not with all the crap you want to lug with you. This is a great picture of how we can serve Jesus. The writer to the Hebrews expresses the same idea in chapter 12. Let us lay aside every weight and let us run with endurance the race set before us. In our Western cultures, we have a lot of weight. Busyness takes our time. Endless opportunities take our talent. And stuff that will decay drains our resources. And you might be thinking, "Uh, I'd love to have endless opportunities. That isn't what it feels like at all. But the number of things vying for our time and attention and resources, anything that tempts us to want to be a part of it are opportunities, are they not? You had an opportunity to be here today. We have all got at least some 
opportunities because I'm talking to people who live in the West. We have opportunities. But some of us have a really hard time with the word no. Some of us, I don't know who I might be talking to there. Mostly me. (laughs) And so we load up our lives and maintaining that over time is exhausting. Why do we do that? It seems to me that too many of us wear busyness like a badge of honor. I'm busy, therefore I'm important and valuable, therefore I'm worthy. We've wrapped up our worth in success. But just when we've achieved one goal, we feel pressure to work harder, to earn more money, exert more effort, possess more toys. Standards and examples of success or making it are constantly changing and shifting. And we collect a whole heap of measures of worth and success, and we stuff them in our backpack and we carry them around as though we need them on the journey. We better do it all and pack it all up because I might need this later. But, um, you know, even a Harvard Business Review study revealed something really interesting when they, um, when they looked at really successful people. And the article sums it up like this. Just enough is the antidote to society's addiction to infinitely more. Just enough. We need to pack just enough. Matthew 7.11, that's pretty cool. You can remember that one, 7.11. It's like open all the time, applies all the time. Matthew 7.11 adds its weight to this wisdom. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, I didn't mean to point at you, Loie. <laughs> Meaning all of us, we all sin, we all fall short, we're all imperfect. So if us sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? How about we trust that our guide will provide? How about we trust that our God will provide? He will provide our worth and he will provide our needs. And we can leave striving for our self-worth and striving for all of our luxuries behind. The size of my pack, had I stuffed it full, was not going to make me appear more important on this trail. It was just going to weigh me down. And if people thought anything, it would be, wow, why so much stuff? What are you doing? Really, wouldn't they? I was not going to need a slow cooker on this journey. I was not going to need a makeup kit. I was not going to need all of the things that you might think that are good and that are little luxuries that you'd like to have along the way. I didn't didn't need to pack it because I was going to have to trust that it would be provided because I was told they would be. I was told that they would be. I was told I would have a hot meal at the end of my day. And you are told the same. Philippians 4.19, your God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Our resources are pretty limited. His resources are not. According to his riches, he will supply your every need. You can't tap God out. Now, should we, should we work hard? Absolutely. Should we stretch and apply the gifts God has given us and contribute to society? Absolutely. And if it's well within your reach to have a little luxury every now and then, go for it. Not saying it's wrong. 
but we needn't carry it around as a burden too heavy to bear. We do not have to provide entirely for ourselves through our own effort. We do not need to define ourselves, who we are or who we wish to become. We do not have to rely on ourselves alone. We do not have to do everything in our own strength. Are you hearing me? Because it's not the amount of stuff we have that gives us value. We can't ever strive hard enough to create a version of ourselves that will ever equate to the value God puts on us already right now. You are enough. Already right now you are enough. You can relax in the knowledge that God has a plan for you and he provides for you. So when things get tough, we can, you can trust him to have your back. And isn't that mindset so much lighter than the burdensome idea that we need to get everything done all on our own? Isn't that a lighter way to live? Matthew 11.30, my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. So we may have a pack, but it'll be light. It's okay. So we understand that there are some things we need to leave behind, right? Baggage that doesn't help us and weighs us down. Pastor Darren spoke a lot about that. We can leave that stuff at the feet of Jesus. Let him take it up. So let me talk about what we should pack. And it boils down to this. Gear up with what will make you strong. You will need something to sustain you as you walk. You walk in all conditions. So we need to be ready for anything. And Paul advises us to gear up if we're going to make it. And many of you would be familiar with Ephesians 6 and the language of putting on your armor. That might be familiar to you. Let me read it to you in the message version for the sake of hearing it fresh because this becomes our packing list this morning. It says, Be prepared. You're up against more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon in the same way prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare, pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one fall, falls behind or drops out. This is our packing list. God's Word. Full of every instruction we need. This is like our map for the trail, right? We're going to pack that. We're going to pack prayer. I couldn't think of an object to signify prayer, so we're going to pack prayer. Okay, good. We're going to pack this, this stuff that protects us from the elements, right? We're going to pack that because God's asked us to. Truth, faith, righteousness. We're going to pack that because it's going to protect us from the conditions that we see. But don't carry more than necessary. Put some things aside, take some other things up, and Jesus tells us that his suggestions are lighter than what we would have put in the pack. And ultimately, they will do us more good. Lesson two, I've called Share the Trail. Now, I love how the verse we just read ended. I might get 
Mike to put it back up if you don't mind. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. Yeah, we were a group of 50 walkers, but the trail is so vast that often you felt completely alone on the trail. But we weren't. And I feel like someone needs to hear that today. You are not alone on the trail. You are not alone. It wouldn't take long for someone to come up behind us or for us to come across them as they rested or walked a little slower than us. Now, um, confession time. Um, When I passed someone, I felt a little victory, (laughs) to be honest. I'm like, thoughts might have gone through my head like, oh, phew, I'm not the slowest on the trail today. Or at least I'm doing better than this guy. And subsequently, also, I felt a little discouraged when someone walked past me with a spring in their step. I'm like, where'd the spring come from? (laughs) I thought, oh, I'm not doing as well as them. Maybe I'm not going to make it. Or I wish I was as energetic as them. I should have prepared better. And so the comparison mindset would set in. And I found that my performance and my enjoyment on the trail was affected by someone walking past me. Do you know how crazy that is? What a tiny thing to derail me. What a tiny thing. But that's what comparison does, doesn't it? It robs you of something. It robs you of joy. It robs you of recognizing your own achievement. It robs you of enjoying the journey. When I caught myself doing this, oh, I was so cranky at myself because it snuck up on me and it took away the enjoyment of the trail. But it also took away my ability to do what this verse is suggesting, to watch out for one another, serve one another and encourage one another. Whenever we are busy comparing ourselves to someone, we are effectively ranking them as better or worse than us. That sounds uglier, doesn't it? It's nicer to use the word comparison, but in actual fact, it is ugly because we're ranking someone as better or worse than us. And that's not healthy, it's not good. And we cannot serve people from that mindset. The best thing we can do to cure ourselves of comparison is to serve others. There have actually been numerous studies done um, to show the positive effects serving others has on both physical and mental health. It literally helps us take our minds off ourselves and our own circumstances. The world has worked this out, but I'm telling you, the Bible had it worked out long before some scientists thought to get a grant in the last 20 years. Matthew 20 says, this is Jesus speaking, whoever wants to become great among you must serve, uh, among you must be your servant. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. That's Jesus speaking. That's his example. So on the trail, when I let that go and I engaged people, I passed in conversation. I slowed down for a minute. I spent time with them. I had a chance to encourage them. And when I slowed down and learned something about them and where they were from, it enriched my experience, actually. And I'm pretty sure it enriched them because when people passed me and engaged me in conversation, when they slowed down for a minute to engage me, it made my experience better. They encouraged me and I found myself 
even like walking faster for a while to keep pace with them because I wanted to hear what they had to say. And while ever I was focused on them, I wasn't concerned at all with how slow or fast my pace was. I was just moving forward. And that's obviously got individual benefits for us. But if we can all get a little freer from comparison, then it actually has this ripple effect that benefits everybody that we touch. You have the power to change the internal script of someone who thinks they aren't doing well enough. That is amazing. Let me say it again. You have the power to change the internal script of someone who thinks they aren't doing well enough. And you also have the power to cheer someone on who is doing great. Maybe they weren't always doing great. Um, one of the guys who consistently powered past me early each morning was a guy named Warren. And he was strong and fit and capable. And I can't imagine that he would ever have needed encouragement or cheering on. He was just gone. But when I got to know him, I discovered that a few years ago, he came off a bicycle at about 80 kilometers an hour down a hill, and he broke his back in five places. He broke his neck, he broke his ribs, his pelvis, his arms, and his legs. Yeah, he's broken. Thoroughly. He, didn't, he honestly didn't know whether he would survive, let alone ever walk again. Yet here he was on my trail, powering past me. Oh my goodness, he still needed to hear the words, well done. He still needed to hear, good job, you're doing great. That was a victory worth me celebrating with him. We have the power to cheer someone on who is doing great, but I cannot exercise this power if I am comparing myself to this person. I cannot wish them well if I am wishing I was them. I can't. Completely disempowers us. So if we can eliminate comparison on the trail, the experience becomes richer, richer and more meaningful, not just for you, but for everyone on the trail with you. Share the trail. Don't leave anyone behind. Don't let anyone feel alone, whether they're ahead of you or whether you're leaving them in the dust. Don't let them feel alone. All right, lesson number three, deal with wounds immediately. When on the trail, there is a chance of getting hurt along the way. Blisters are actually the biggest risk, which sounds like a small annoyance, but if you leave a blister untouched and intend to hike for days, you will have made a huge mistake. They can bring you to a standstill, and they can get infected, and they turn into a wound. And wounds, even small ones, need to be dealt with immediately. There is no room for carrying a wound on the trail. Something tiny will turn into a limp very quickly. And the same is true in life. We understand that wounds that can be seen, deep gashes, broken bones and such, they need to be dealt with. And everyone around you can see it and they, they are often there to help you, right? So I'm not talking about those wounds today because they obviously need to be addressed. I'm talking about the wounds that are hidden the blisters and such that only you know about. And if only you know about them, only you are responsible to deal with them. Ouch. So the first step is to admit, admit that you have one. 
Ignoring a blister will lead to a limp. How many of us carry around small irritations and wounds and hurts that we just don't deal with? We just let it rub and rub and rub and rub is the wrong way. And over time, they will fester because that's what wounds do. Small offences like blisters will do it just as much as large gashes will, but we think we can ignore the little stuff and how much it irritates. And it won't necessarily go away on its own. It actually requires some action on our part. Yeah? So step two is to decide when to treat the hurt. How can I say this delicately? Some of us have blisters and feel the need to treat them like amputations. We're looking for a medivac and wondering why everyone else doesn't see the severity of the injury. Some small slights become big deals that we hold against people for ages. But they become that way over time because we let them rub and rub and rub and rub and rub. So once we realize we're hurt, stop and deal with it then and there. The time to do it is immediately. So step number three, how will we treat the hurt? I read somewhere that um, trying not to take offense is like trying to think about elephants. So if someone says to you, don't think about elephants, are you, are you all thinking about elephants? Yeah. <laughs> if we focus on not trying to take offense, we will keep thinking about the offense, right? Because when we focus on a behavior, the result is more focus on that behavior. This is just how our mind works. So thinking about it over and over and over and over just does not ever set us free. Even if our thinking is to try to avoid being offended. Thankfully, there is another way to address the problem. Proverbs 17 verse 9 says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Rubbing on it and rubbing on it and rubbing on it will separate close friends. It doesn't help a blister for me to think about it all the time. It doesn't. I need to cover it over. And then I need to stop thinking about it all the time. Covering it gives it time to heal without being constantly rubbed up against like dwelling on it does. So, I'm going to pack my band-aids, right? We're going to cover stuff over. Now, by covering an offense, I mean we are letting it go in our minds and our mouths. In other words, we don't have to debrief with friends over it a hundred times. Okay? Because that's not covering it over. That's picking at it and picking at it and picking at it. In other words, we are not revealing it to others. And when we do this, we are empathizing with the person who hurt us. And we're extending them the benefit of the doubt. Because maybe they didn't mean what they said. Or maybe we misunderstood what they said. Or maybe they were having a bad day and weren't thinking straight. Or maybe it was pre-coffee. I'm just saying. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe they're just having a bad day. Covering the offense of another helps us too. Remember the elephant? When we focus on the needs of them rather than us, then we are no longer feeling, thinking about how offended we feel. Now, let me clarify. I'm talking about small offences here. I am talking about blisters. Some hurts go deeper than that, and you'll be crazy to put a Band-Aid over a gash and expect that that works. It does not. 
Some hurts go deeper and are more complicated and definitely need specialized attention. Are you hearing me? I am not advocating covering up. I am simply saying that the wisdom of the Bible is to cover your relationships with love as much as possible. But the Bible is also clear to deal with issues between people and don't pretend like they don't exist. There's a big difference, okay? So if we're talking about a fence, if it's in your power to cover it over and keep walking healthily on the trail, then do that before it becomes a limp. But if the wound is deeper, then you need to address that quite differently. Is that clear? Does that make sense? Okay. Because there are actually lots of balms that we can put on a wound. But of all the balms we can apply when offences come, like bitterness, revenge, fantasy, distraction, pleasure, self-justification, only one balm actually cares for us, and that's God. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. He really does. He cares about you. But relying on any of those other options is like trying to make a band-aid out of mud on the trail. It might feel soothing for a moment, but ultimately it doesn't work and it makes you a whole lot more uncomfortable than when you ever started. At the end of the day, know that God sees you. He sees what has hurt you. It's an obstacle on the trail that He doesn't want you carrying around. He wants you strong. So maybe as we approach Christmas... This is a good time to consider our blisters, maybe. Is there something that you haven't covered over with love that is in your power to do so? Like before Christmas dinner. Is the usual pattern of family get-togethers going to stretch your ability to not take offence? Just remember that your worth is not tied to the tongues of men and women. It's not. You do not have to be offended by others' opinions of you. You certainly don't need to carry the offence around like a weight in your pack. You can share the trail free of comparison. So pack light, my friends. Pack the stuff in here that makes you strong and keeps you reliant on the guide who absolutely has your back and is leading you to good things. Amen? Let's pray. Why don't you stand with me? Father God, I just thank you so much for all who are standing here, all within the sound of my voice. God, I thank you that you are our ultimate guide. I thank you that you are the one that makes us strong. You are the one that provides our every need. And God, we all have different needs across this room this morning, but you've heard them, you know them intimately, and it is within your power to help us out. So God, as we lift those needs up to you this morning, as we lift them high before your throne, God, we actually surrender them to you and we say, hey, we're not going to try to fix this with our own effort, apart from the effort you require of us. But God, we're going to actually trust you and surrender this into your hands. The hands of the one who made the trail. The hands of the one who sees around the next corner. The hands of the one who generously provides. God, we lift it up, we hand it over, we release it in Jesus' name. God, we release offence as well, Lord God. The stuff that's been rubbing us the wrong way, God, I pray that you would help us just release it, cover it over with the love for that person involved. 
God, free us from offence in Jesus' Name. And free us from comparison, Father. God, this goes so deep in us sometimes. God, I pray that You would just speak so loudly of our own worth and our own value and that we would actually pick up a Bible and, and actually figure this out for ourselves, God, that we would know who we are, that we might stand on the trail in complete confidence of who we are and what we were meant to do. And God, that that would free us up completely to actually look around, open our eyes rather than looking at ourselves, but to look around, God, and look at those that you've put around us and that we might encourage them, Lord God, that you might give us a voice, that, Father, we might be able to just shift something in them on your behalf, Lord, that changes their internal script so that they might hear well done and that they might be pointed to you as well. We thank you, God. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.